0: Can we talk about it or does it feel like too taboo of a topic for you? Today's guest, Elise Snipes, is a marriage and family therapist on a mission to get therapy off the couch and into the world so you can live the good life. Elise is skilled at bringing practical solutions to everyday problems with a little creative magic and a whole lot of truth. She works with her patients to unlock their limiting beliefs and build a healthier narrative that makes room for healing, connection, and personal freedom. And she does it all from her restored 1953 vintage trailer, which is is parked on the beach. I invited Elise on the show because as entrepreneurs, we're welcoming a bonus layer of expectation, stress, anxiety, and decision-making into our already busy lives. And in order to be successful in our businesses and in our personal lives, we need tools to help manage these often challenging hurdles. I love Elise's mission to normalize therapy and to do it a little different than I've ever seen done before. If you have questions about therapy, or if you're wondering if you might benefit from working with a therapist, but you don't even know where to begin, you're in the right place. Elise is going to walk you through it right now. And I am so excited about today's show. I am ready. Are you? But first, we have a review to read from Frankly Photography. It is titled, Makes Me Hype to Get to Work. It is a five-star review. It says, I listen to Jenna while I'm driving, which happens to be a lot. I drive to other towns for photo shoots often, and it is so nice to have something hype me up and inspire me. Makes the long drives exciting. I always feel energized after listening because it feels like my dreams are attainable. I feel like I really can do everything I've ever wanted and more. I cannot give enough praise to this podcast. podcast and the way it's changed my views of my business. It's not as scary when I have audible proof that others are in the same boat and others have made it happen. Thank you, Jenna. Thank you, Frankly Photography. And guys, if you haven't taken a second, subscribe to the show. Make sure you don't miss any of this goodness. And hey, if you are awesome, which you are, take a moment and leave a review. It truly, truly makes all the difference. It really fires me up and it excites me. And I want you guys to know, like, you aren't alone. That's why we're bringing Elise to this discussion. And so I'll stop delaying. Here is Elise Snipes. You're listening to the Gold Digger Podcast, where we firmly believe that work doesn't have to feel like work. Self-made millionaire and marketing guru, Jenna Kutcher, will help you redefine what success looks like. It's time to hear from the experts, listen in on honest conversations, This episode of Gold Digger is brought to you by Care Of, a monthly subscription vitamin service made from effective quality ingredients, personally tailored to your exact needs. For 50% off your first month of personalized Care Of vitamins, visit takecareof.com and enter the promo code Gold Digger. We love HelloFresh at the Kutcher household, and we're excited to have their support for Gold Digger today. They're offering everyone in our audience a special offer for 2019. Get $80 off your first month by going to hellofresh.com slash golddigger80 and use the code golddigger80. Elise, you have been changing the lives of women that I love so intimately. And now I get the honor of talking with you today. So welcome to the Gold Digger podcast. I am so
1: excited to be here with you, Jenna. Thank you for having me. (laughs) I only wish that we were
0: like in your vintage trailer which we're going to explain to people in like two seconds but I only wish we were sitting side by side so that we could just have this conversation in person but since we can't I want for you to just kind of kick things off and share your story like who is Elise where has your path led you to what are you doing today paint that picture for us.
1: I love it. Okay, well, and I'm gonna leave the trailer thing out there as a little bit of a myth buster for people to yes. I like it. A good cliffhanger. <laughs> so I am I'm a therapist, and everybody's response to like what I just said is exactly what I'm like trying to reclaim here. Okay. Because <laughs> people are usually like, oh my god, a therapist. And then they like shrivel up and like either don't want to give me a single word because they're horrified that judgment's been occurring, like, or it's like TMI central where they want me to tell them about their mother-in-law and their <laughs> cousin and like everything. So I am a therapist, but not in the way people expect. So I think outside of the box on things. I love trying to take something and flip it on its head and help people think about it differently. And I'm doing that with therapy, like what it's like, where it is, who should go, what the whole experience is. I want to like grab it out of the 1800s and like bring it into 2019. <laughs> so I'm going to tell you like maybe specifically exactly the way that I'm doing that. So that's not just my abstract dreams <laughs> because that's pretty much me too. Okay. So the way the trailer happened, my trailer is actually my office and I am a head in the clouds kind of girl. I have a million ideas about how I want to do something. And my husband is like a boots on the ground kind of man and helped to like get this idea into real life office space. So one of the ways I'm wanting to like help people think differently about therapy is my office is in this retro vintage 1953 Bulls Aero trailer that I park on the beach. And the whole goal for me is that when people show up that they're like, whoa, that's not what I expected. (laughs) And then I feel like now we're going somewhere because that the whole thing is what people believe about therapy or therapists has to change. What people believe about themselves and what it's going to be like or feel like all of that has to change. And if I can give them even one little seed of a thought of, whoa, not what I expected. Oh, that's totally different then people are more apt to say, God, maybe that is for me. And I would say, absolutely. It's for anyone who wants things to be different.
0: I love that. So I want to hear what you were like, you know, when you were a kid or when you were dreaming up like this career. Is this something you always wanted to get into? Is this something you've always been gifted in? Like break that down.
1: Oh, good question. Okay. Okay. So my sixth grade project for career day was I wanted to be the first female president of the United States. (laughs)
0: Yes. Boom.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Which is absolutely not a career I would have enjoyed. But I think what I wanted in the heart of it was I wanted to use my voice to help people like, get to use theirs. I wanted to like reflect the larger voice and be able to shift a narrative. And so I'm like my own president now. <laughs> like, I'm, like That's what I'm doing <laughs> here in one way. And then I would say the way that I got to be a therapist was because I was on the receiving end of therapy for so long. So I first went to therapy, I think when I was 10 years old and spent a long time on that side of the couch, like being the recipient of someone's love and care and guidance. And it absolutely birthed something in me that was like, gosh, I, I would like to be able to offer this service back to the world in some way. So yeah, I think it came out of a. I love this experience, and I wish everybody could have it. And I want to be a person who gets to give this out.
0: Can you break down
1: why you were in therapy when you were ten? I'm yeah. just curious. Oh yes. Yeah. So disclaimer: and this is what I'm going to put out there is I feel like I am evidence in like this giant cosmic trial that things get better. Okay, so I would, like introduce you to my ten year old self going to therapy my 10-year-old self had grown up in an abusive household. Mom and dad were both extremely chaotic and unprepared to like have children. My dad would have... We just found out he was going to be going to prison for drug dealing. And within those next two years, he was going to be sent to prison. My mom divorced him. Things were wacko, okay? so, And that's like the cliff notes. So And people don't typically know their therapist's life. So sometimes it's like, no, try me. Like, I don't know. I've been through some things and I might not look like it, but I've been through some things and I know that there is life on the other side of it. I know it. And you almost can't tell me otherwise because I'm living that life on the other side of it. So 10 years old was dark. I'm the oldest in my family. And so I was like super responsible for everything. I... Felt responsible to manage my parents, their addictions, their marriage, their everything. I was obsessed with my little brother and sister. They're twins, two years younger. And I took a very strong maternal role for them. So I just wanted them to have the best life ever. (laughs) And I didn't want our family to dictate their reputation and how they felt about themselves in this world. So I think that might actually have been where my role as a therapist was birthed is in that sense of, I'm going to love you through this. And just in where you come from doesn't determine where you're going.
0: I love that. And I want to know, like, do you remember your first experience sitting with a therapist? Like, can you remember how you felt or the questions or what you were feeling when you left? Like, can you break that down at all?
1: Yes, I have also a freakish memory for things. So yes, I felt so much shame about going to therapy. I felt embarrassed. I didn't want anyone to know where I was going. So I needed a cover story. I remember actually feeling more uncomfortable and shameful about going to therapy than all the dysfunctional things that were going on in my life. So I'm like, I know how to handle dysfunction and violence. And like, I could lie to the cops all day to protect my family. Like, whatever you need me to do, I could do that. You want me to like, get healthy, tell you the truth, talk about what's going on, and allow somebody like trust an adult? Like, what? (laughs) So the juxtaposition for me over why do I have so much more energy towards the therapy than about all the chaos in my own life? made me realize that i needed like a big swap like i needed to realize that where i was coming from was actually the source of all that shame and that therapy was actually the way out but because i didn't know this yet i didn't know how i was transferring all my darkness about my own life onto my therapist and my therapy experience and made that the weird thing rather than the fact that my life was upending
0: That's so interesting One thing I told you before we started recording is I personally have never been to therapy and I have nothing against it, but I also feel like I grew up in a home where therapy wasn't really an option or talked about, not because my parents wouldn't have made it accessible should I have wanted it or needed it, but you are huge on the normalized therapy movement, and I kind of want to hear what you think about like the therapy stigma and what that looks like and why it exists.
1: Love it. Yes, 100%. And I think that part of the reason that it exists is because whether we want to or not, we build a counter narrative that allows us to stay safe, which usually means staying sick or not moving. So, women specifically, that's who we're talking to today. Why won't I make that phone call? Because maybe I'm not really sure I'm ready to do the work. Or maybe I'm not really don't know what's on the other side. Like I think that we stigmatize it so we don't have to do anything because if we we don't stigmatize a personal trainer or a business coach or an accountant or like other services we need, because those things aren't always personal. There's like a product or there's a brand or there's our finances. There's some things, but they're not a reflection of us as a human. And so I think that's also why I take the work of therapy so seriously, is because it's the most, some of the most vulnerable work, and there's actual restoration that takes place. And so the stigma, I think, sometimes feels like resistance to actually like facing ourselves. So, yeah, <laughs>
0: I think you hit the nail on the head. And I think too, it's like, I feel like when I think of therapy, as a child, or when you would hear that, it was like, ooh, they're going through some stuff right now. Or ooh, their parents are getting divorced and they put them into this so they could talk to someone. And And it has this very like clinical look at things, almost like going to a doctor and having them say what's wrong and then prescribing something to get it fixed versus like working through and being challenged to do the inner work. I feel like to me – the visual of it, if I were to close my eyes, it would look like slapping a bandaid on a bleeding wound versus actually like healing it and turning it into a scar.
1: You know? Yes, Jenna. Like that's like, this is what I wish that people could hear all over the place is when people use therapy only for crisis, then they're using it for only a part of what it's good for. And So the type of therapy I would say that I am doing specifically, I spent years working with trauma and years working with like the dark of the dark, childhood sexual abuse, okay? And I love that work. I love the darkness. But I will also say this, there is a group of people that would benefit from going to therapy because it is something where we don't have to do all of that triage work. We're not taking you through and packing all your wounds. We get to start where most people finish their work of therapy it is a totally different ballgame. So majority of my practice right now is women entrepreneurs who are looking to build like the person behind the personal brand. Some of these women have been through like the traditional like dark things that we've go through in the human experience. But ultimately, like the group of people I think would benefit most in therapy right now are women who are like ready to make a change, who are over the stigma. They don't care because <laughs> they like the product, of feeling like... This is me, like I'm showing up. I feel great in my own skin, whatever room I'm in. Uh, there's no confusion or incongruence between who I am on the screen or off. I think a it's freedom. I think that's the product of therapy is a personal sense of like freedom and like ownership, like badass ownership of, like, of ourselves. <laughs> I love
0: that. You know, it was so interesting. This past year, I led my first mastermind and there were 25 women. And I remember at our second meetup, we were all feeling a lot more comfortable with one another. You know, we had spent time together and we kind of kicked off our retreat by just going around and saying, you know, here's what's going great and here's what's really hard right now. And I was shocked because I would say... 70 to 80% of the women in that room who are some of the most powerhouse, the most successful, the top of their industry women were struggling with mental health, whatever form it was showing up in their lives. And one, it was just amazing to like have a space to like talk about it where it was like, hey, like online, it looked like I was like killing it. But behind the scenes, like there was some real hard stuff happening in my life or, you know, things like that. But it was also just like so interesting to me because I feel like entrepreneurs and women who strive for perfection and, and who run these personal brands and who are authentic struggle a lot. Like, do you think that there is any ties in that? Being an entrepreneur or being a perfectionist or being a woman or showing up that way
1: with like a hardship with mental illness? This is such a great question. One, I would even say, I don't even call it mental illness because of what the connotation is. So usually talk about like, as either like mental wellness or mindset or perspective or whatever, because all those, the diagnostic words, like kind of still belong to me in the diagnostic world. But what we're talking about, real women going through real things, trying to build a real business. We're not talking about the way that we would think about people that have mental illness, like in the eighties or nineties where they're locked away every single human being will experience some form of anxiety, some form of depression, some form of grief, some form of loss. So this is for like everyone. Okay. So now let's go to like the question of, is there a tie? And I would say, absolutely. What happens is there's some form of like arrested development. And I know how to excel in business. I have some form of Midas touch. I know how to put this out there. But then what happens is I overdevelop that skill. And because that feels good, I'm getting the response. I'm learning how to feed that. Then there's this other part that is getting less food or sunlight. You know, it's like it's not having the same opportunities to grow. So project that 10 years out, 20 years out. Again, women have built these super successful businesses, but then their personal relationships are typically in chaos and then there's the double stigma of if people really knew, would they still buy my product? If people actually saw the, the depth or quality of my parenting, mothering, wifing, whatever, you know, would they trust me? And I think that there, so that we hide even further. And that's the part that I want to undo is we don't have to hide everything as a part of who you are if we can start to grow ourselves and our businesses in tandem, then 10 years, 20 years, we've got the strong business and the strong marriage, a strong brand and a strong person within that brand.
0: Oh, that is so, so good. I was with some girls recently who are like so successful and just incredible humans. And I remember one of the questions was like, what if I got found out And it was funny because we're like, well, what do you mean? Like, what is your deep, dark secret that you're worried the world is going to know? And there really wasn't anything, you know? And I feel like because of things like imposter syndrome or the way that we compare each other, I feel like we're all waiting to be found out. I know yesterday I was standing in line at Noodles & Company, full disclosure, mac and cheese, (laughs) you know. It was calling. And this girl walked up to me and she's like, you're even more beautiful in person than you are online. And my like immediate reaction was like to recoil, like, oh my God, I'm in public. And I literally just got done working out and I couldn't like accept that she was seeing this other side of me that wasn't polished or whatever. And I think that nowadays it's like we're all kind of living these double lives, like this online life and, and this real life. And, and while they coincide and they coexist and, and they each are a part of the other, I feel like we all kind of feel like, well, what if I'm
1: found out? Do you agree? Yeah, I, that's that question. Okay, so I'm going to sidebar into something real quick as well. These questions are exactly what I'm talking about, is that the question is a, the surface of a belief that is underneath that question, which is either I don't deserve this or people don't really know me. There's something underneath that, some type of core belief. I did create something out of a response to this because what kept showing up thematically with the women I was working with is that while they knew how to do the work, their internal experience of themselves didn't match that like powerhouse woman who was going to get up on that stage and just tear it apart because she's rad. It was like this meek, apologetic. There was something I'm like, wow, this is so like not in conjunction with the other. This does not make sense. And so I created these weekend retreats for women entrepreneurs out of a response to I don't have the time. I can't do one hour a week in therapy. It'll take me 400 years. Like I think for like women entrepreneurs, we need it. We need it now. We need the tools. We know what to do with it. Just give me the dang thing, and I like, and I'll use it and run with it and be even more brilliant than I was before. And so, like that would be like a bigger answer to: Is there a tie between imposter syndrome, my life online, my core beliefs, and can I do something? Yes, please come do that work. It doesn't take forever, and it's going to feel really good.
0: <laughs> mm, that is so. Interesting. I mean, I just feel like what is so cool, and, and I know women who have intimately worked with you and like legitimately, they say like you are priceless and you have changed your lives with just the questions you ask. I want to know like how can someone recognize in their own life and in their own unique situations that maybe therapy is something that it's time to pursue or it's something that could really help connect the dots for them?
1: I love that. I think that ultimately if you're a human being, you qualify. Yeah. Right? Welcome. Like, you are
0: a human, yeah. you are prequalified. <laughs> yeah.
1: You don't have to send in an application. You've already won, okay? <laughs> um, and that's part of like reclaiming how we think about therapy as preventative wellness. It's something that we do. Like we go, we hopefully we all go and have an annual visit with an OB, like hopefully there's mm-hmm. things that we do because Or someone told us we should. And even (laughs) though therapy, it was going to be different than that, it's still an element. I'm like, if you haven't gone, it's like this conversation. We get to know each other. We ask good questions. I might help to like open up some doors to certain things. You're going to come up with some different answers. We're going to keep digging. And it doesn't have to be super dark. Even if you've been through the darkest thing, the art of healing does not feel that dark. It feels light. It feels like, it's almost like, wow, that I didn't understand. I didn't know that my life could feel like that. I could believe those things about myself. So even back to your question, (laughs) if you're a human, you qualify because there are people that reach out and are like, gosh, I've just never been through anything big. I don't know if I should go. Am I a good candidate? And I'm like, Oh, my God, please call me tomorrow. Because because we won't spend four years like trying to put you back together. We get to start with you having this like great foundation. We make these subtle shifts that change your trajectory. So everyone should try it once. That way you know what it's like.
0: (laughs) I love that. I feel like we could make an application that says, are you a human being? Are you (laughs) breathing? Click yes. Great. You qualify. Pre approved. (laughs) Okay, so I want to pretend like you and I are sitting in your trailer and it's the first time we're sitting together. What
1: would be like the
0: first question you would ask me?
1: What is your biggest fear about what I'm going to ask you about in this session that we have together?
0: Ooh, (laughs) I feel like you are going to ask me about my deepest, darkest
1: secrets that I've never, ever told anyone. And then I kind of want to find out, like, so do you want to start there or do you want to get there?
0: (laughs) (laughs) D, none of the above. No, I'm just kidding. But actually, but actually, I think it's so interesting, too, because I was talking to one of my girls and she's just been going through some really, really hard things. And she was like, I wish I could be brave like you and like put it out there. And I was like, girl, there are so many things that I've never shared publicly because, I have shared some hard things publicly like miscarriage and body image. People assume that, you know, my whole life is lived on a screen or it's all online or it's all shared that that is the whole of me. I think that it is so interesting that there are still so many pieces within my journey, within everyone's journey that are so buried intentionally or unintentionally that I think that therapy could be huge for
1: because i think what happens when we do that work is we realize that any question you ask i'm not afraid to answer like and that's like because i'm okay with it or i've already asked it or i've already like working towards the answer or i realize that no matter what it's all light even my deepest darkest secrets even the worst things that i've been through Like there's light in there and that's what we're going to go and mine together. I love that. Okay. So let's say
0: someone's listening to this and they're like, okay, I've been thinking about therapy. I didn't know if I was qualified, which now I know because we broke that down. What are three questions that people could ask a therapist to figure out if they're like the right fit? Like, What should someone look for in order to have an experience that really does change their life or give them more light? It's
1: good. Okay, so part of what I think about this is I don't want people to think of this like speed dating, you know, (laughs) like I'm going to go ask four therapists one question and then I'm going to pick the person that had the best answer. So we date one at a time. I don't want people to like triple dip on the situation in regards to finding their one. And I would almost want to reframe it like this. Instead of questions for a therapist, I want you to think about putting words to what it is that you're looking for. So if you, in that, that way, the work, almost the, the workload is on you. Do you want to accomplish some mindset stuff? Are you looking to childhood stuff? Are you looking to core beliefs? What kind of work do you want to do? Do some research about that. And then you can ask that therapist what their approach is or what, how they work with this or what their experience has been with this. Every therapist is trained to work with everything I do think that a lot of the times as therapists, though, we tend to find like a niche or a thing where we're like, oh, I love working with that. I can work with this. I excel at working with that. I don't want to work with this. And if we're honest with ourselves as therapists, like, let's claim that situation. Like, I have no problem owning the spaces I want to work with and the spaces I don't because someone else wants to do that other stuff.
0: My new mom motto, if it's delivered, it's for me. You've heard about my love for HelloFresh before, and it's only grown since welcoming Conley into the world. Because time is not something we have a lot of to spare. And with our goal of eating healthier in 2019, HelloFresh is the help that we need in order to make it happen. We get fresh, pre-measured ingredients and easy-to-follow six-step recipe cards with pictures delivered to our doorstep each week in a special insulated box. Every week, there's this 20-minute meal option for those times that you don't have a lot more time than that. And trust me, sometimes we just don't have more time than that. There are three plans to choose from, classic, veggie, and family, with the option to switch between for when your tastes change. Drew whipped up the Southwest chicken and peppers the other night, and it was so delicious, and it made our whole house smell like a Southwestern feast. We didn't even have to pack up the baby and go out for a night out. I love that we spend less time meal planning and grocery shopping, and we have more time to snuggle the baby and work on our businesses. We look forward to our HelloFresh box every week because we know dinner just got easier. Try HelloFresh for yourself. Head to hellofresh.com slash golddigger80 and use the code golddigger80 to get a total of $80 off. That's $20 off your first four boxes. My daily routine changed a lot when I became a mom. But one thing that's still part of my routine is my daily vitamin pack from Care Of. I love Care Of to help fill in those gaps in my nutrition and fitness and give my body what it needs. Care Of's fun online quiz asks you about your diet, your health goals, and lifestyle choices, and takes only five minutes to find out what vitamins and supplements you specifically need. Then your vitamins get delivered right to your door in personalized, easy-to-remember daily packs, perfect for an online to go lifestyle or for new moms like me who have so much on our minds every day. Speaking of new moms, Care of offers pre and postnatal supplements with accompanying research to help mothers and babies alike stay their healthiest. I love that I could retake the online quiz when my health goals shifted after pregnancy and my monthly packs were reformulated to best fit the needs of my postpartum life. For 50% off your first month of personalized Care of vitamins, visit takecareof.com and enter the promo code gold digger. That's 50% off your first month of personalized care of vitamins when you go to takecareof.com and enter gold digger at checkout. I love that. I think it's super interesting too. When you can ask someone that you care about that you know is seeing a therapist, like, what has your experience been? Yes. Would you recommend this? Like, what have you worked through? What What is the end result? How do you feel after a session? How much does it cost? Like, mm-hmm. just having that, I mean, I think referrals and recommendations are like the number one way to go through yes. life. Plus, I'm just kind of lazy, so I get really <laughs> overwhelmed when I have like a bajillion tabs open and I forget what I was looking at in the first place. Um, but, I think like that is so so powerful so let's say someone is ready to dip their toe into therapy but they're nervous about the process what would you tell them
1: and if they're asking me I'm going to say are you kidding what go listen to my podcast because I'm <laughs> I, I answer all that like I tell like what it's really like as a therapist and then you people write in and ask questions and I respond like a therapist and so then you can kind of hear what it's like without actually having to walk in the door yeah because I think that's part of it is it's like Calling and making the appointment is over half of the work. It is so hard to just get there. Once we get there, then we're like, oh, cool. This is great. I'm in a weird trailer with this girl on the beach, and she's probably barefoot, but that's fine. It's like, then we, the work is done. So... If you want to dip into it, listen a little bit and then just make the stinking appointment. <laughs> right.
0: Okay. Wait, you have to like share what your podcast is.
1: My podcast is Trailer Cast because I'm hosted out of my trailer at the beach. And it's a little bit of everything. I talk about my own personal story, what it's like on both sides of the couch. I interview some people. I actually interview a client of mine and then my old therapist. So, really trying to give people the whole kit and caboodle of, what? Let's demystify and like get this world out from behind the like HIPAA compliant doors.
0: <laughs> I love that. It's so good. And and I think too, a lot of times it's like people start with like curiosity. I think curiosity is like the beginning of the process for a lot of people. I know after our second miscarriage, I worked with my friend, Erin Trelor, who was on the podcast. And it was more from just like a showing up each week, connecting, her asking me hard questions. It wasn't therapy, but it was in a way. And I remember like every week I would be like, I do not want to get on the phone. I do not want to get on the phone. And then I would, and we would just uncover something and we would we would shine light into it, just like you said, and we would breathe and we would work through things. And, and so much of that work was probably the hardest work I've ever done. Like it's not easy, but... It was probably the best work I've done as well. And I think for so many entrepreneurs, it's like we have these checklists, you know, post to Instagram, check your email, you know, send that project over and like, where do we come into play? So let's say someone's really struggling just in general with prioritizing self-care or or investing in themselves. Like, what would you tell
1: them? I would almost like look at them like a little bit dumbfounded. Like, wait, <laughs> what? Like, so... If I gave you three other tips on how to like change your life right now that had nothing to do with therapy, I know you'd be furiously scribbling down notes. If I'm like, "Oh, girl, this is it—three ways," and boom, 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 it would happen. And then if I said, "Oh, easy, just make an appointment with me," I know that like I immediately am going to lose half the audience because people are like, "Um, I don't know if I can, or I don't know if I should, or I don't—I don't know." There's a bigger question mark there, which again shows me that that person who was just like, "Oh." needs to make the phone call even more because there's actually something there. The people that almost fearlessly walk into therapy, like there's so much less resistance because they're like, "Mm, yes, see it, want it, need it doing it <laughs> it's happening <laughs> it's like the other half of the population that i'm like and that okay also remote therapy like again over half of my practice is people all across the nation and we're doing FaceTime work and they're in their living room while their kids are napping or they're in their car during their lunch break or they're they're in their supply rooms because as entrepreneurs we don't have the time and so i almost feel like if i can take away everybody's excuses <laughs> then i'm like what <laughs> like what else like what else like I'll show up in your podcast ears. I'm going to meet you in your supply room through FaceTime. Like it, I'm a normal person who's done the work. Like, oh, I mean, I don't know about normal. What I- <laughs> <laughs> really. it really knows me would be like, uh,
0: <laughs> close. Oh, <laughs> uh, I love that. So Okay. I want to know like therapy sessions aside, I feel like anxiety and stress and depression can really plague entrepreneurs. What are some ways that people can just start working towards a more solid vision of themselves or more solid mental health? What would you tell them?
1: Okay. I love that you brought up anxiety. That's a huge like plague in our one in our nation with our kids, but really specifically with entrepreneurs, again, especially if you're like a mom entrepreneur and you're like trying to do literally all of the things. Okay, so what I would say is you don't manage anxiety, okay? If you're having anxiety or stress, anxiety and stress are not the problem. They are a symptom, they're like a flashing light, but it's not the actual problem. So when it, their check engine light comes on. We're not like, oh, dang you, check engine light. Like I need to manage you. It's like, oh no, I got to go to the mechanic. I need to take this in because somebody who knows something more about my check engine light is going to solve the actual thing. So anxiety, stress, any of these other symptoms like use as a barometer to show you that, oh, something else is going on underneath here and I need to take care of that. That's my general response because I really believe that That those symptoms aren't the enemy. They're a way deeper for us to understand what's going on within ourselves. And then if we can attend to what is within ourselves, then those surface level symptoms will take care of themselves.
0: That is so good. I think too, it's like we treat like our bodies like if my foot really hurt, I'd probably go to the doctor to figure out why. And I feel like when our brain really hurts or when our brain (laughs) is playing tricks on us, it's like we just add more to our plate to try to stay so busy that we can't pay attention to it
1: oh my goodness oh it's so good or we assign everybody else a role and look at like oh see, so yeah but that girl she's really got it rough yeah. or yeah <laughs> I don't have <laughs> it as bad
0: as her but I have it worse than her but I'm doing okay you know yes yes okay so it's- I want to know what what is your like million dollar question Ooh, do you okay. have one I'll th-
1: I have two. Okay. One of my million-dollar questions is this: When we're going through something, and I notice that somebody is, it's like it' pretty emotional. I'll ask them, "How old do you feel right now?" Mm. Mm. And the reason I'm saying that is because majority of the time, we're having a right now experience about like a then in their original kind of memory or injury, and so. When I am feeling so heated at my mom, I realize that it's not because she just bothered me today, it's because I feel like I'm 8 years old and we're back doing that same crazy dance again. Ooh, so, how old are you? Good.
0: Okay, what's the second one?
1: Where do you feel that in your body? Mm. Mhm. Mhm. Cuz a lot of the time we when we're doing this work, we will separate our body from our feelings or memories. And then all of a sudden we have that lump in our throat or we feel sick to our stomach or people start shaking their legs. They're having a physiological like paired response to the memory. And then I'll ask them like, Hey, why don't you go ahead? Like put your hand over that lump in your throat real quick and just connect to it. See what happens. Because what happens is our body remembers things just like our brain holds memory. So does our body. And so then really trying to pair the bodily awareness with the memory awareness and seeing if we can connect to that, younger self with our right now self so it's a lot of integration
0: that's so powerful I remember Aaron asked me those questions especially like after our miscarriage and like I remember like I just felt like I couldn't get a breath through to my stomach like it was just mm-hmm. like stuck yes, and Santa. you know and I felt like angry at my body you know because you feel like something failed you and so we did like so many breathing exercises or I remember during a call, like my shoulders hurt and I was like I feel like I'm carrying the weight of the world you know and it it is so true it's like we hold and embody these things and we take them on like it's normal but we don't even really stop to ask ourselves those questions you know Yes.
1: well and then the like the big part too is like what you were just sharing where like I couldn't get breath down to my stomach it's like right because there wasn't breath in my stomach and so how could I put it there like breath is life So all of a sudden their body is mirroring what just happened that I'm not going to send my breath there. If life isn't going to exist there, then I'm not giving it any life. And it's like, we start to make these rules within ourselves. We cut off that part of ourselves that betrayed us or failed us or let us down or is the source of loss. And then we would then develop physical symptoms around that people really do develop like psychosomatic injury. So to then realize that, wait a second, body. I give you permission to breathe. I need you to breathe. And you know what? Not only breathe, you're going to have life there again. You are, you are me. We will do this. Mm -hmm.
0: It was so crazy too, on the same context. I remember we were talking about body image and She was like, what is like an area of your body that you zero in on or like that you hate or that like brings you strife? And I remember at the time it was my arms, which is actually hilarious because I love my arms right now. And she was like saying she's like, think of them because I was like, oh, they just carry extra weight. And it's the first thing I notice, And I try to hide them. And she was like, think of it as like more energy, like you have more energy in your arms, you don't have more weight, you have more energy in them. And you have more like love in them. And like, it was just like this shift of perspective where I was like, well, why do I hate my arms? Like, they're strong, they're powerful. It's just crazy. It's crazy.
1: Jenna, I love it. Because you can see that ultimately, nothing changed in your arms right there. It was your relationship to your arms that changed. And that is like, again, perfect picture of that work wasn't difficult. It wasn't painful. You didn't have to change your whole life to get there. It was a, in a sense, it was a replacement belief that actually like, you know what these are, these arms are the best freaking thing on my body because you know what they're holding right now. My baby. Uh
0: I know. I'm like, I can't believe we're talking about the circumference of my arms. But really, this was a problem, people. Like, you know, but we all do that. We all do that to ourselves. Like whether it's your stomach or your gut or your legs or your face or whatever it is, especially as women we carry like burdens that have nothing to do with our actual body. And I feel like even in pursuing like body positivity, whatever that looks like, because let's be honest, every day is different. It's like not actually looking at my body parts, but like
1: looking at like the why I feel the way I do about them, you know? Yes. Yes. And that's, again, like, we take this even further. It's like, that's just the external stuff we're looking at. Like, what if we were to expose how we feel on the inside about ourselves, usually that gets even darker. And it's like, gosh, can we can we just love ourselves all the way through, we would feel so radical about ourselves. And again, all the mental energy that we use to kind of inflict self abuse, we'd be able to, again, apply to like activation, apply to like, being able to like own our stage and just be better.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. What do you think is like the number one piece that women are struggling with the most?
1: not feeling like enough's ever going to be enough.
0: Mm-hmm. What do you think perpetuates that?
1: Super honestly, I think people being, it's a little bit like people being dishonest about their hustle and what happens competition-wise online in regards to social media, that like we have to be able to say, hey, I am building this with the help of this many people instead of, nope, got it, doing it on myself and do my own hair. It's like, come <laughs> on. <laughs> come on give it to me straight like because if we're putting something out there that feels inconceivable then we're just making everybody else feel like they're not making it and there's a difference I think between saying oh like here is okay here's the trailer that we built but like (laughs) like here's everything else in my life so you see more of my life we know that social media is not real okay like it's not it's a cool tool but there's no way that those squares could ever hold the extent of your identity or the, the love of your family or the like, your power, like they do a good job showing pieces, but it's not the whole bundle.
0: And yet we trick ourselves into believing that about everyone else but ourselves, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Right? Preach. <laughs> okay, so my like, final dying question to ask you is like, I feel like a lot of complaints or a lot of stages are taken with people who are complaining about the effects of social media or the comparisonitis or how it can just make you feel less than or not enough, which is all things we talked about today. What are some ways that we can combat that? Like if we're going to be using these platforms, how can we make sure that they're like feeding us and not sucking us dry?
1: That's really good. Okay right off the top of my head, follow the right people, unfollow the right people. Amen. <laughs> okay. And then I also like, kind of be honest in your squares. Like if I'm posting this, I'm also going to, about something like I was really excited about. I'm also going to post that, like, here's all my children. They dress themselves today. Yes, he's dressed like a shark. Yes, she has my grandmother's hat on and he has no shoes. Like we got out the door, but the whole story was they look like they're going to the circus. So it's like... <laughs> a little an equal representation but the other thing i would say is equal representation that isn't always negative so i don't need to air like all the negative stuff but i can air the real stuff and the real stuff isn't always negative the real stuff is also positive Mm
0: -hmm. i think it's such a balance and like you know, it's like this like teeter totter that you're standing on when your mom told you to like sit your butt down and wait for your brother to get on the other side. But I feel like it's this constant, like people are either putting out the worst of the worst to prove that they're real, or they're putting out the highlight reel and finding that balance. And and I feel like it's something that is a natural gift to me. And not in a way of like, oh, I'm just so great. But I feel yeah, there's like, like there's a way to share those dark places in that hard in a way that isn't pulling people into it, but also showing people what's possible. And I remember I was really struggling because I'm a highly empathetic person. And I used to say that almost from like a victim standpoint, like, oh, I'm just so empathetic. <laughs> and I remember, you know, my energy would just be so not in control because I'd be all over the place based on who I was talking to or what we were talking about or what they were going through. And I remember somebody said to me, and I'm, I'm taking people to church for one second, but <laughs> I remember someone said to me, like people would go to Jesus not because they wanted him to meet them where they were at, but because they wanted him to raise them up to where he was. Mm -hmm. And it totally transformed the way that I looked at things because I'm like, people aren't coming to me so that I can like meet them in that dark place, but so that I can Mm -hmm. shed a light. And I think that is what you are doing. Mm -hmm. That is you.
1: Mm -hmm. Wow. Truly. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Jenna, that like, I to sit with that. Makes me want to cry a little bit. Because, like, <laughs> okay, to put this all in context, that my like 10-year-old self who went to therapy and dreamt that maybe this would be possible for me someday feels like it's coming true. Every person I get to work with, like, good as possible. And I get to be a part of it feels like a something I never thought would actually come all the way true.
0: Well, and the crazy thing is, guys, like, I have to tell you, every single person that I know that works with Elise, which is actually <laughs> a large handful at this stage, <laughs> it's just like this, like most incredible experience. And and it isn't this thing where you walk in and it's so hard and you leave and it's still so hard and, and you just unearthed all these things and your life is suddenly unsettled and you have no idea how to put it back together. And I think that this conversation is just so necessary. And it's something that like, I personally want to explore more. Absolutely. So I want to ask you one final question. And it is just this, like, what fires you up? Like, what are you so excited about right now? Personal, whatever career, give it to me.
1: Okay. Personal personal is my, my family. I never in a mazillion years thought that I would be a mom with kids and having a stinking blast. So my personal life, I want to give my kids the best, most wildest adventure ever. I want them to look back and be like, our childhood was off the rails, but in all the right ways. So I definitely bring like the spice to that part of our family. And And then I would say like professionally, it feels similar. I want to do something different. And professionally, the number one thing that I'm over the moon about are these weekend events, weekend retreats, because I feel like I get to give someone exactly what I would have loved to have walked through when I first started this. It's like this giant jumpstart instead of having to chip at therapy an hour at a week. It's like, come do a weekend. It's 48 hours of pretty intense work, but not dark intense like thorough and intense like ooh that felt really good it's the number one recommendation for any woman entrepreneur who is looking to make either some surface subtle shifts or some deep core belief shifts it's my favorite thing I'm obsessed with them so
0: please tell me you rented out a stadium for this next one because
1: (laughs) (laughs) hey well they're five women at a time so because I want every woman to get everything they possibly can and I want to feel intimate so I do like Six a year. And so then there's five women at a time. So that way it's like really personal.
0: All right. Well, guys, there is going to be one less spot available. So <laughs> <laughs> where can everybody connect with you and get to know you more? Listen to yeah. your podcast. Like give us all the places.
1: Okay. My website's probably the easiest. It's elise snipes.com. And maybe that'll be in the show yes. notes, so I don't have to spell. it. <laughs> <laughs> On Instagram, I use Elise Snipes, underscore, and then collective, because it kind of showcases everything I'm doing, podcast, speaking, therapy, coaching, the whole kit and caboodle. And then my actual Instagram, too, is Elise E Snipes, and that has pictures of my awesome kids. That
0: is <laughs> so awesome. I just want to say thank you for showing up today, for walking us through this, for shedding a light on something that is so important. And just for the work that you're doing in so many people's lives, you are really making a difference.
1: Jenna, thank you. Honestly, like this opportunity to have this conversation, I know is gonna like continue to like snowball like these effects out beyond the two of us. And that's what's so cool. So thank you. So
0: cool. I can't wait to see. It's like the ripple effect. (laughs) (laughs) do you feel lighter after listening to this show i know that just speaking with elise today kind of shifted my perspective i'll be honest like i haven't given a ton of thought to therapy a lot of times i think well good for them but not for me but really i think we all could benefit especially for those of us, which is all of us, who are human beings. Like, we're all going through things. We're all experiencing hard stuff. We've all walked different roads, and yet there is always room for more light. Always. I loved how Elise just talked about changing our narratives. A lot of times it's not even the situation we're in, but the way that we're looking at it. And I know as an entrepreneur, it can be so easy to do one of two things. To keep our head up and to compare ourselves to everyone else who is out there killing the game or to put our heads down and isolate ourselves so much so that we have zero connection. Whatever camp you're in, I hope that today's episode just shined a light on something that I don't think is talked about enough. I know it's something that I want to commit to in the future and I know that Elise was the perfect person to help us walk through this. Thank you so much, Gold Diggers, for tuning in to another episode of the Gold Digger Podcast. And if you tuned in today, would you take a screenshot and just post it up? I feel like this episode could truly help the masses and really make that ripple effect that we talked about happen. So maybe post up in your Instagram stories, tag me, tag Elise. We would love to hear from you. And thank you again for being an awesome Gold Digger. Thanks for listening to the Gold Digger Podcast.